Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, I want to share with you right now some words from God's Word. You know, normally right now we are going through a series, but I thought in light of how this whole week changed everything, that I would set that series aside and kind of focus on something that you and I maybe need to think about today. And and I'm going to talk about your story of faith from Second Chronicles chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles, I, I want you to turn to Second Chronicles in the Old Testament. It's a narrative. It's a historical narrative. Second Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to look at the life of King Jehoshaphat. Now, let me explain to you why we're going to look at this. We are right now in the midst of probably the biggest thing that any of us have ever faced. Now, I know we have faced other crises in our lives. Some of you have faced struggles with cancer. Some of you have faced struggles watching a loved one dying. Some of you have faced financial issues. Some of you have faced all these other things. But what we're facing right now is, to be very honest with you, something our nation has not ever faced in a long, long time. So for some of you, you don't even remember times like this. Some of you are old enough that you do remember significant things like the polio situation in the 50s and 60s, other traumatic situations. Maybe some of you are old enough to remember what it was like during the Great Depression. But for a lot of us, we've been pretty comfortable, even though we've had our difficulties here in our nation. And so this is new. And so with all of this, you're trying to figure out your faith. Where where is your faith in this? Where is your relationship with the Lord in all of this? And so how do I find him? How do I plead with him? How do I pray to him? How do I deal with this? And I thought as I was praying through this week about a passage to look at, my mind went to really, I'll be honest with you, it's it's an amazing story, but it's really an obscure story from Second Chronicles. But I think it's significant for where we are today and where you are at in your story of faith. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. We're not going to go through the entire story. We're just going to go through the first 15 verses. And with the 15 verses, we're just going to focus on the first part. And I'll tell you why I don't want to share the rest of it with you. Although it's a good ending... I don't think that's what's relevant to us right now. It's the beginning part that's relevant. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at it together. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I'm going to be reading to you from the New King James. It happened after this that the people of Moab, with the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hezazon, 
Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? And are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever. And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? We have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah with their little ones and their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, a Levite of the sons of Asab, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid or dismayed because of the great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. All right, so here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take this passage, and really, I'm going to divide it into two sections. I'm going to talk about two different things from this passage. They're both connected going to help us see what God wants us to see today. So here's what we're going to look at first. We're going to talk about the coming darkness, the coming darkness. And, and let's just be honest with ourselves. That's really what we're facing here. I mean, we're seeing some of the ramifications of this coming darkness right now in that we're to stay in our homes. Only those who need to work should work. We're seeing the grocery stores not having the abundance that they used to be, and so we're seeing the economic situation. And this is only, to be honest with you, this is not the big issue. The big issue is still to come. And so there is a coming darkness. So there's some things we can learn from this passage as we look at this. So let me just give you a couple of thoughts here that we see from King Jehoshaphat. Here's the first one. Darkness will rise up at any moment. You and I need to recognize that. I think, to be honest with you, we maybe got a little comfortable with our lives. 
Yes, we have problems. Yes, we have the stresses. We have health issues and stuff. But to be honest with you, something on this scale we haven't faced. Some of us have never faced that in our lives. And so we get to the place where we're comfortable. We like life the way it is. We've got our plans, our dreams. We, we've got our desires that we want. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes something that is completely out of our control and our lives are turned upside down. This is what's happening in this passage. King Jehoshaphat was a godly king. If you read chapter 19, he did make a mistake. God rebukes him for that mistake. But if you read all of chapter 19, here is a king who is seeking to do the right things, guiding his people, Judah and Jerusalem, and really all of Israel, to worship the Lord and to make decisions. He's, 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 as you read the passage, you'll see that he encourages the judges and the leaders to make their decisions with an eye to what the Lord wants and what the law says. And so here is somebody who's trying to live his life for the Lord, and then you come to chapter 20, and it says, and it happened after this that the people of Moab, and then What's it saying? So it happened after all of these good things that here comes this darkness. Here comes this difficulty. Out of nowhere. They weren't expecting this. And, and let's be honest, we, we can't expect things like that, can we? I mean, yeah, November, beginning of December, we hear about a virus that's devastating another part of the world. It seems far off to us. And here we are in March, and it's on our doorstep. And we're wondering what to do. Darkness will rise up at any moment. We've got to live with that reality. See, I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes, whether we realize it or not, we allow ourselves to be influenced by a teaching that really says that if you're a follower of Jesus, everything's going to go okay. Well, that's not true. So let me bring up my second point. Even the faithful will face extreme trials. Even the faithful will face extreme trials. You can't get any more faithful in service to the Lord than King Jehoshaphat. But this was a trial that just was dropped into his lap that he had to face. You could be here and you love Jesus. You're listening and you love Jesus. And it's like, why is this happening to me? I'm just going to tell you right now. Even the faithful will face extreme trials. Nobody is immune. Nobody is immune from difficulties, from struggles. We can't write those stories that way. I know that there are some people who try to teach you that if you have enough faith, your story will be different. Folks, this has nothing to do with your level of faith. This has to do we live in a fallen world. And disease and problems are a part of it. This affects all of our lives, and this is affects, especially affects God's children, you and I. And you know that because, like myself, you've got a level of stress on your life, and you're just trying to figure out what to do with it. So the coming darkness. You say, oh, gosh, George, I, I just kind of, wow, is there something more to this message? than that? You're already telling me something I already know. Well, let's focus now on that second section here in this passage, which we're going to see from verses 3, really, down to verse 15. And that's this whole issue of pleading with God. 
pleading with God. You know, I say this to the church family all the time. You probably have heard me say it. I tell you all the time, write it down. So let me just say it again. Crises will either drive you to the Lord or away from the Lord. That's just the reality. When you're in the midst of a crisis, you will either go to the Lord for help or for strength or wisdom or grace, or you will try to go it on your own and say, I don't need God because he put me in this situation, and you walk away from it. And so what we're going to see is how Jehoshaphat really made a decision about what he was going to do when this darkness was coming towards Jerusalem. And I, I want us to see some things from his life, and hopefully we can learn from it. I've got six things I want to share with you here. Six things. Here's the first one. While his fear was normal, Jehoshaphat had to decide what to do with it. So when you come to verse 3, look at what verse 3 says. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. So the report came to him in verse 2. First initial reaction is he's afraid. Let me just go ahead and tell you that's normal. We're human. You're human. It's normal to be afraid. In fact, I would say to have an attitude of arrogance that you can face this without any problems, that's not normal. Because you don't know what's coming. This is the great unknown. We have never faced this before. So fear is normal. And so while his fear was normal, Jehoshaphat had to make a decision. You and I have to make a decision. What are we going to do about this? Because you're saying, well, I'm already trying to figure that out, George, and I don't have too many options. Yeah, but you still have a decision to make. You still have a decision to make. Because sometimes what's required isn't a physical activity. It's a spiritual response. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Jehoshaphat was determined to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat was determined to seek the Lord. If you look at verse 3 in New King James, it says, and set himself to seek the Lord. And set himself. What does that mean? That means he made a conscious decision, a determined decision that I need to pray. And I'm not just talking about a one-time prayer. It gives the connotation here is, is that he decided that prayer was going to be a major part of his life. He was going to pray to God and ask God to take care of this situation. In fact, I'm reflecting on that for a moment, and I think back to what I used to hear the old-timers years ago say when they talked to the Lord, they would pray it through till they felt that they had gotten a hold of the Lord. That's what it means to set yourself to prayer. It means to pray it through, that you are determined. You're going to keep going to him and talking to him. You're going to be like that widow who went to the unjust judge that Jesus talked about. And even though you didn't get justice that day, you're there the next day seeking justice till finally he answers. That's what it means here. He was determined to seek the Lord. Are you and I determined? 
Are we determined to seek Him? Because maybe you're praying right now and you're not hearing a response. Okay. That's normal. But are you determined to seek Him? To seek the Lord? To get a hold of Him? It's the third thing I want to point out here. And he was determined to seek the Lord. So Jehoshaphat prayed and called others to pray. There's an interesting part of this, this passage here is, is that he didn't just pray for himself. He, as a leader of the nation, decided to call the nation to prayer and to fasting. And so he prayed and he called others to prayer, meaning it wasn't just a personal thing with him. This was something that he felt was so important that, that the, he wanted the people around him, the people of God around him, to pray about. And, and so, okay, I'm, I'm the pastor of Kerwinsville Christian Church and, and church family. We need to not just be praying about our own situation. We need to come together as a church and start praying. We need to set ourselves to seek God to pray and to call others to prayer. Because we need God to do something. That's what he was doing here. He, was, he, he determined he was going to seek the Lord, and he prayed and he called others to prayer. Now, I want to share one more thought with you before we get back to Jehoshaphat. It's, it's our next point here. You're not going to find it in the passage, but I, I need to reflect upon it because it has to do with this whole issue of praying. Well, let me, let me give you what it is. You have to make things right when you go to the Lord. You have to make things right when you go to the Lord. What do you, what do you mean, George? Well, all right, listen. Listen to the story. Let's say I have a friend whose name is Bill. We don't have anybody in our church named Bill. But let's say I have a friend whose name is Bill, and we have a relationship. I would consider him a good friend, but I do something that hurts him. I do something that offends him. And so I basically act like I don't need that relationship or I act like I can go throughout life with that relationship with Bill. And, and he's hurt by my actions. In fact, he's hurt by my neglect of the relationship. But then here it comes that I face a situation and, and the only way for me to get through that situation is to get help from Bill because maybe Bill, Bill's got the tools or Bill's got the resources or the brain power to get me through that situation. And, and, I, and at first I'm like, oh, do I go to him because our relationship isn't what it should be? And yeah, but you realize I need Bill. Well, you and I know that we just can't go to Bill and say, hey, bud, help me out with my situation and act like everything's fine. It's not fine because I hurt him. So what do I got to do first? Reconcile. Make it right. Go to him and tell him I was wrong. Ask him to forgive me. It's the same thing with the Lord. We are in this crisis that God has providentially allowed in our lives. And, and right now we need him. But for some of us, let's just be flat out honest with ourselves. We maybe haven't been seeking after him the way we should. We maybe have been hurtful in our relationship with him because we're doing our own thing and we sin and we don't 
think that it bothers anybody. We're not really concerned about it. But here we are. We're in a crisis. We need him. And we're expecting him to do something. Well, we need to be reminded of some things. Well, for instance, Psalms 66, verse 18. He tells us very clearly in his word, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Meaning if there's something wrong in my relationship because of sin, he's not going to hear me. i got to make that relationship right with him. And some of you, you need to take some time. I need to take some time and, and, and come clean with him. And trust me, he'll show you what it is. His spirit will just bring it to mind. You have to make things right. How do I? Are you saying, well, okay, George, what if I do that? How do I know things are right? Well, because he told us they would be. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You have to make things right when you go to the Lord. You have to make things right. Here's the next point we see from Jehoshaphat's life. He had faith in a God who could do all things. He had faith in a God who could do all things. Look with me at verse 5. Look at how he begins. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord and before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nation? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Jehoshaphat believed. He believed that God was bigger than this army that was coming to him. Do you believe that God is bigger than this virus? Do you believe that God is bigger than this economic situation? Do you believe God is bigger than the crises that you're facing right now in your life? That's what it's going to take, faith. Faith. Trusting in him. And that's what we see in Jehoshaphat's life. Faith. Trusting in him. Trusting in him. Here's the final thing I want you to see from Jehoshaphat's life. He told the Lord everything about the problem they were facing. When you read on there, you're going to see that he very clearly lays out the whole issue, lays out the injustice of what's happening. He lays out that they can't do anything about it. Did you hear what I said? He lays out in this passage, God, we can't withstand them. You and I need to tell everything to the Lord. Tell him how you're feeling. Don't pretend. God already knows how you're feeling. Don't act like it's, oh, you know, whatever. God, I just need you to take care of No, no. You go to him and you plead with him and you say to him, God, I need a job. God, I need finances. God, I need healing. God, I need you to protect. God, I don't know what to do. It's I'm scared. You lay it all out there. You be real. Don't hide. He knows you. Be real. He told everything to the Lord. And then I want you to notice what happens. The first thing that happens after he prays, 
We see it in verse 15. God raises up a prophet who comes to him and says, don't be afraid. I'm God. Wow. Isn't that Psalm 46.10? Be still and know that I am the Lord. Be still and know that I am the Lord. Well, we're stopping our story right here. And I'm going to give you two thoughts in conclusion of our message as to why I'm stopping it. I mean, if you read on, and I would encourage you to read on, you will see that God gave them the victory. It's an amazing story of how God did it, how they went out to meet the army, how they all went out to meet the army, and how God brought deliverance. But I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not going to reflect on that because I don't want to give you false hope. This is their story. We need to talk about our story of faith. Did you understand? It would be wrong for me to go to their story and say, well, this is what's going to happen with you. I can't say that. The scripture can't say that. But I can give you two things to think about as you're talking about your story of faith. Your story of faith. Because that's what this is about. It's your story. It's my story. And that's in your hands. And that my story is in my hands. So here's the first thing I want you to think about. There are no formulas in writing your story of faith. There are no formulas. You know, we we lived in a time in the church where we had 10 steps for this, five steps for this, this to help you to overcome, look to this story, look to that story. I'm going to tell you right now, there are no formulas. Every person's story is unique. Your walk with Christ is unique. Your journey through this crisis will be unique to you. And you need to recognize that there are no formulas. Well, you say, well, where's the hope then? The hope isn't in a formula. The hope is in God. That's where we need to put our hope in. Not a formula. The Lord. Put our hope in the Lord. So there are no formulas in writing your story of faith. Okay? You need to recognize that. Here's the second one as we talk about your story of faith. As the darkness is approaching, you have to decide how you will respond. The darkness is approaching, folks. It's coming. The clouds are on the horizon. And so now you, like Jehoshaphat, have to decide how you're going to respond. And remember what I said to you. I said it to you earlier. A crisis will either drive you to God or away from God. You have to decide. And so my hope is, is that if you're talking about your story of faith and the hope for myself as I'm talking about my story of faith, is that we would turn to the Lord. We would turn to God in the midst of this. And if we need to come clean because our relationship isn't right, come clean. But you seek him. Because that's where our hope is. That is where you will have the grace and the wisdom to get you through this. There's no promise about how this is going to end. But you have a Lord who will guide you through it. 
May we grasp that. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.